Welcome City Life to another fifth Saturday online church experience. We've been running with this vision now to make Jesus easy to find in our region for some time now. And part of that is to get out of our church and do service projects all over the community, which we did this morning. And as we pivot to these online services on fifth Saturdays, we've loved highlighting different ministries we support that make Jesus easy to find, not just in the 757, but all over the world and specifically today in Brazil. Uh, one of the ministries we support is Channel to Brazil, which recently held their banquet in our cafe. Offices right across the hall from, from us on the other side of the building. But at that banquet, they celebrated 40 years of ministry. 40 years. I turned 39 in July. They've been doing ministry in Brazil literally longer than I've been alive. And to just hear even the Cliff Notes version of those 40 years was so impactful. So we wanted to recapture some of that in this interview setting. But Mark, it has to be hard to summarize 40 years with all the events, all the twists and all the turns. So let's start it off simple. For those who may be entirely unfamiliar, could you just introduce yourself, who you are and what the vision is behind Channel to Brazil? Hey. Hi, J hi, Justin, how are you? Uh, hello, church. Uh, it's, it's enjoyable to be partners with uh, City Life and enjoy your love and care for the ministry. And especially appreciation now because you just visit for the first time the ministry and you fell in love with the ministry. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, one of our staff members is Celeste, and she's a member of the church. Yes. And uh, she was in Brazil about uh, in 2006, and uh, she fell in love with the ministry. She worked with us as well. And but a little bit of my life, it's, it's interesting. It's almost iron, ironic because uh, in 1980 I was just across the street, Christopher Newport. And that's what I was going uh, to college to take social science because I believe that I, I needed to learn about people, how to manage people, how to help people. And I felt uh, the logical thing to do is just take social science, social work, and to help people. And at the same time, I was uh, working with Youth Challenge. And I felt like the message at the college didn't land right in my heart. It was very uneasy because they completely denied faith. They completely mm. denied Jesus Christ. And uh, I saw some videos of people in East State Hospital, uh, one of my psychology classes, claiming Jesus. And, and from that point on, they began to think that everybody was a Christian. It's kind of a little wacko and crazy. <laughs> mm. And being from another culture, being from Brazil and coming here to study, I felt like almost a mockery, like a respect yeah. for, for Christ. And, and before I came to America, I, I felt the whole success of America, it was because Christ, because of Christian faith. And I came over here in, in, to encounter that faith, to encounter that prosperity in the education. And somehow, college education and the social science didn't line up with my spirit. And I, began, began, I was uneasy about the whole thing. And um, then uh, with my work with Youth Challenge and uh, the church in the missions program and uh, me talking about street children, talking about the dream, talking about uh, uh, the situation of children in Brazil, uh, people began to get an interest. And that was, it was not my plan to go back to Brazil in 1983. I was here in 1980. Uh, but in, in my hope was to finish college, get some financial support, some backing to begin a program for children in Brazil. And uh, the things changed. And now I understand how things changed because there's a verse in the Bible that says, uh, man set his path, but God leads the way. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And back then, before I came to America to get an education, to get college, to get finances, to get funding, to go back to Brazil, God did the same thing without me having to accomplish college or with the money. So that's kind of interesting how everything began. Wow. So how did it begin on the ground in Brazil, how did it, what inspired you to do the work you do, the specificity of it, working with the street children? How did that come about? Well, it's uh, 1983, I was here at the local church at the Warwick Assembly, Pastor James Cheshire, and there was a very missions-minded church, I believe was the largest church in the community. And uh, they were looking at different perspectives, different hopes and dreams and peoples, and they heard about me from Brazil, street children, the problems, so on. And uh, they, they, Mark, why don't you go back to Brazil? What is that? My plan to go to Brazil right now. I said, well, let's take an offering over here. If you have enough money, then you can go back to Brazil. Just to look at it. Take Troy College to see what's going on. So at the time, I, I didn't have intentions to begin anything. I was just going to go there, fulfill the church's uh, expectations of see about missions, engage the church into missions, wasn't very clear at the very beginning that I was going to go to Brazil to open an orphanage or something like right. that. So it wasn't, wasn't clear. And, uh, but that trip really changed my life because I was going, I, I was doing what was the logical things to do. Uh, you see uh, children on the streets, children starving, children back on the sidewalks. And because I was from Brazil, I knew those things. I knew where to find them. I could go to the traffic lights. I could go to the city dump. I could go to abandoned buildings and I would find the children there. I could go to the beachfront where all the tourists would be passing by and, I would be, uh, and the children would be there. And then, as, then I was, uh, it was uh, kind of um, a talk between me and God about a large... I, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't have any money to help the children and so on. I'm here. I was a little limbo, a little confused. And I felt the Lord's kind of impressed. What do you have in your hands to do? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I think it kind of almost in a, in, a, in a joking way, I said, I can take bread and coffee to the kids. But not that I wanted to start a ministry. But on the other wise, I wanted to prove God. There was nothing you can do with bread and coffee. And uh, when they, God said, they said, go ahead and do it. So I had coffee in the morning. I got bread in the morning. I went to the streets. And I still have pictures of that at the very beginning of the ministry. And uh, we have taken pictures. And I went to the sidewalk, and I saw that the children used to draw on the streets and, uh, and sleep on the streets like this. And, uh, and then I woke them up in the morning to give them bread and coffee. And uh, pray the sinner's prayer, led them to the, to, to the Lord. I was feeling good about myself. I said, okay, I can walk away and take the mark. Been here, done that, and walk away. And uh, as I walk, I walk away, Justin, uh, I heard the most powerful voice that, that uh, resonates, resonates in my heart up to this day. One of the kids, as I was walking out, I felt I fulfilled my mission. And one of the kids shouted, sir, are you coming back tomorrow? And uh, those are like the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And like uh, Jesus is in his hands, would you come back to me? Would you come back to me to help me? It was, it was powerful. I mean, I mean in, in ministry, we, we began ministry because of a reason to help people, with compassion to help people, 
uh, with uh, sympathy for help people, the right thing to do. But that day, and for about a month after that, I felt as if God had a burden for the children and he was passing that through my heart. Because all the time she did that, and I saw that scene, I saw like Jesus weeping through me. You know, we all have a natural burden for, for the lost, the natural burden for the children. But imagine God. I mean, he has a greater burden and love for us because he gave his life for us. So his, his passion, his, his love for mankind is we, we cannot handle. Right. As a human being on this flesh, we cannot handle his love, his spirit in us as a burden for the lost. Right. And that's what happens to me. And I, I used to go to bed and sleep, and I, and I weep like a, like a baby, and I have to pull myself out of, the, out of the bed. And something, God, I couldn't handle anymore because I really felt God was weeping through me. And that little sentence, that's what changed my whole life, uh, to be doing what I'm doing today with a lot of excitement and joy for 40 years. Wow. Yeah. And so this work you were doing with the street children, it was shared at the banquet. You were the only person doing it in this way, correct? Uh, yes, because nobody was working with street children. There was a lot of orphanages to children whose parents could not raise the children and put in, give in the orphanage for adoption. So there was a lot of across the city, training here, 15 there, 40 there, waiting for adoption from sponsors from America, from Europe, from England. And there were kids that were tagged with a a father, a sponsor to come and pick them up. But right. on the streets, kids abandoned, sniffing glue, raping each other, shooting each other, stabbing each other. Nobody would touch those kids. I mean, it was, it was high risk. Right. Nobody was touching. And when we first began the ministry, we have to disprove ourselves who you were. And uh, in Brazil, the name of our organization, the ministry is Channel to Brazil for Christ. Children, mm -hmm. children of Brazil for Christ. And he is channeled to Brazil for Christ. Right. And we want to make very clear that our, what our purposes were, what you wanted to do. You wanted to share Christ, be in a holistic ministry, taking children off the streets, give, give, give them an education, give them a trade and meet their needs. But uh, it's, it was hard because the children themselves thought they, they were going to be abused. There was rumors about kids being kidnapped and taking their kidneys to be sold, wow. and kids to be kidnapped for drug dealing, kids to be kidnapped for raping, for sex traffic, and uh, so you're in a whole package trying to prove ourselves. Wow. So we have to prove ourselves with the children and win the trust. We have to prove ourselves to the community to win the trust. And uh, that's where the beginning, that's a very, very hard and humble beginnings. And imagine we began with bread and coffee, right? And uh, we didn't have much to to get to get to get going, but uh, we we surrounded ourselves with a good board of directors, the lawyers, the doctors, and uh, I had some good relationships in, in in the city, and I was able to gather some people that will support and endorse the credibility of the ministry, and so we moved on from first year, second, third, fourth. By the fifth or sixth year, we have the judges calling us, can you take this kid in? Because he's such a troublemaker. Wow. And uh, the law in Brazil, you cannot arrest anybody below 16 years old for more than 24 hours. I mean, if you grow up in crime, 16 years old, you're an adult, a very, very 
dangerous adults at 16 years old. Right. But by law, they could not be arrested. So they're looking for places in, in halfway houses and orphanages that would deal with those kids. So every now and then we got a call from the probation officer, from the judge, and uh, to help help this kid. And the churches as well would call us up. And so it became very kind of a, the only ones in town that doing that kind of work. So we had a very high demand after a while. Wow. So it started with bread and coffee. Yep. And you had a phase where you were running an orphanage. It took on many different phases. I know at one point there was a bakery, correct? Yes, yes. And what yes. was it called again? Yes, it's Okie Dokie Bakery. And why was that again? I forget. <laughs> oh, it's, it's funny because, uh, because uh, uh, Troy Collier, which is the founder of Youth Challenge, gotcha. who I worked with, uh-huh. who helped in the very beginning of the ministry to give the credibility in the U.S. because we worked under the umbrella of Youth Challenge for about five years. And um, then the organization, the Youth Challenge, was not set up to handle money to send overseas. So we separated with the same board of directors and call ourselves Channel to Brazil for Christ. So we are the channel to the ministry. But uh, it's um, the phase we have taken as uh, we began as a, as a, home, a street, uh, home for street children. Then uh, they started the age of... Um, we had youngest, we, youngest seven, eight, nine years old, so they stay with us for a long time. And they face a lot of discrimination in the community. They could not get jobs, even though they're drug-free, even though they're serving the Lord. They have a little minimal education. And um, so that's why we created a chicken barn to create business. So we get up at 3, three o'clock in the morning with a truck full of chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we, we, we put, dumped in hot water and uh, chopped the head off and uh, sold for all the sh- local shops in there and a bike. And then uh, well, the, some of the kids were very, they loved when the kids, chickens came in because they're going to see blood. And there's a little boy that we found in the streets and uh, he had the most giggle, uh, the best giggle in the world that the, 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 chicken, the truck, the, the chickens coming in because he knew he was going to see one. And then it then wasn't enough finance for us, so we moved to a bakery. So the bakery is something that we, if we had a good product and a good price, you had a market because mm-hmm. there's a demand there. And uh, so we moved into the bakery business, and, um, and then we, we had the chicken barn, the bakery, then we had some goats, and uh, I'll tell some funny stories as well. Uh, we had some goats in, in the lane for the street children. And all the leftover bread that we had at the bakery that has been on return, we took to the, to the goats and some to the chickens, to the animals up there at CBC. And then one of the boys saw, oh, the, the, the goat didn't eat today. So he threw a couple of bread to the goat. Another one came in, has anybody fed the goat? Throw another couple of bread to the goat. And then uh, had the goat, it, there is no schedule to feed the goat. <laughs> right. And then the goat disappeared. And then uh, three days later, we found the goat. He ate, he exploded <laughs> so much bread in, in East. Probably not a good story to tell right now. <laughs> anyway. Adventures. <laughs> but yeah, mix. Yeah. And uh, so that's how we evolved to that. And we did. Uh, this, pro- this program for about uh, 17 years, wow. yeah. And I remember it was shared that at some point you wanted to focus on helping them before they ended up in the streets, rather than helping them after they're in the streets. How can we help them 
before they even get there. And it kind of pivoted your whole vision. Can you speak to that? Yeah, yeah. it's uh, our first action was help the children on the streets. Mm -hmm. huh? And then in the process of 17 years, we began to see uh, their, their bad experience in life about stabbed, abused, raped, and a lot of bad experiences. And we began to ask us questions, where those kids are coming from? So they come from broken homes, uh, they come from school dropouts, and they will rejects, and they will end up in the streets. And uh, the community where we were was kind of an outskirts and the farmland kind of thing, and then the city grew into that area. And some of the kids in the community used to come, can I get into the program? I said, no, this program is not for you because there's a safety haven. They fed, they ate six times a day. They said, breakfast, snacks, lunch, snacks, dinner, snacks. Just to break the fear of going hungry for, you, for them to be able to listen to you. So the kids across the street, you come and ask, can I get in the program? No, no, you can't get in because this is for abandoned children, children who sniffs, who sniffs glue on drugs. And then six months later, the kids will knock on the door and say, I'm sniffing glue, can I come in? So the, with poor, the primary, the God is the stomach, mm. is the primary source of need. They will do anything to eat. Mm. And uh, then we, we began to see the children uh, that the school dropouts, the family rejects, broken homes, and everything is in front of us. It made sense for us to stop the flow of kids going to the streets by help of the community. So at the time, we were working with the 40 young boys, street children. So when they began to reach out to the community, in the first year, we got 100 kids. And then the second year, 150. And then right now, we have 260. Right now? Right now. Wow. You know, we could increase more because there is 100 people on the waiting list mm -hmm. waiting to get in because they know once they get in, their path for the successive future is lined up. Because I have taken kids whose parents were, uh, whose parents is still in prison mm -hmm. for crime. And um, Nael, he came to the program, age of 11 years old. We worked with him all the way through, through a trade profession. Today he owns his motorcycle shop wow. in a community. And some of the drug dealers comes in and say, can you adulterate the VIN number of this motorcycle? He said, no, I won't do that. Wow. He's under threat. He said, I'm not going to do this. Because next day, the police are going to be behind me, looking for me. And then he is he's very impressive because he keeps a very high moral standard. And some of the guys has asked and told me this before. I said, why did you get this moral standards? So I learned at CBC. I learned how to be a good right. man, Christian man, faithful man, moral man, spiritual man at CBC. So I'm not going to do a motorcycle. I'm not going to change. So he has a very successful uh, entrepreneurial business uh, in a program uh, in, in the area. And a lot of people come to fix his motorcycle. He works for a company. Now he has his own shop. And then uh, we have another young girl. It's, uh, this is a remarkable story of Adriana. Adriana has one of the most shocking stories I ever heard in my life. She was coming home from school, and she saw her house full of people. And she didn't know what happens. And they didn't let anybody go into the house, let her go into the house. Mm -hmm. But somehow she 
skipped the crowds, walked in. What she saw was her father hang on the hook of a hammock. And uh, she was tra traumatized from that point on. Uh, what happens to the family, usually the man leaves the, the family, but in this case it was the other way around. The woman left the family. And the man was so depressed, so down, that he took his life away. And she saw all of that. So she was a kind of a lower middle class. And she was raised by a, someone in a favelas, in the Islam community, a very poor house. I have pictures of her in a house with no, no plastering, no ceiling, no rainwater, raised by this poor person uh, that had compassion to raise her from the street. And she was raised by, by those guys. But she came to the program and she really applied the message of, uh, of uh, a faith in Jesus Christ, of working hard, good discipline. She was a beautiful girl. And uh, she worked for a uh, different kind of a manicure and pedicure. She, was, she began to clean people's feet and, and learn how it is done. And um, then she went home and her husband and her were students in the program. And uh, she went to people's house to do feet and polish and clean and so on, makeups. And then she set up a shop in her house and uh, got off the work and built the clientele. She began to do eyebrows. And about two years ago, she was invited to participate in, in, a, in, a, in a beauty festival in South Africa. Wow. And give a class there. That's Adriana. Wow. And uh, she began this age over here. Uh -huh. And uh, we believed that she can be a she has a potential. She has a God chosen. She has a future in front of her. We tell her, we expected, we taught, we educated her, and that she is now there. Wow. That's a tremendous, tremendous entrepreneur. She does counseling. She's not even uh, do the work anymore. She teaches people how to do. She has a school how to teach help teaching people how to do eyebrows. That's remarkable. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah, this is some of the results of, of the outcome of the children that has been in the program. And we have got way more success uh, with the children that we prevented from going to the streets, who would become a street child, mm -hmm. to become entrepreneurs, lawyers, accountants, HR, pastors, ministries. Wow. And people studying Israel right now. So all of those things, because we invested at a very young age, and we prevented them from ending up on the streets and uh, being abused and raped, which lowers their self-esteem to below zero. They feel distrustful about everybody around them. And it's very hard for them to progress beyond, farther down the line. Right. Yeah. Wow. So it's remarkable hearing about the kind of fruit you can see, not just hear about, but see, like in even the difference in age when you've been serving for decades, these children that are now adults chasing their dreams, but you've been following a dream God has given you for decades now. And I know from uh, the stories told at the banquet, you've been slandered, you've been robbed. There's, there had to have been low points where you're thinking, I'm out, I'm done. And, and how did you get through those moments to keep running the race God has for you? Uh, there is a Bible verse that says, after you've done it, done it all, stand. Hmm, yep. uh, in, every, in every difficult time in your life, there is a, there is a, a low. Throughout the Christian walk, is going to be lows. But if you persevere through those lows, you're going to get to the high. Not, they, they, they don't endure. The difficult times don't endure. I can, 
I have four years in ministry, so you can see, I don't live in lows all the time. I don't have any headaches all the time. There is there's joys, there is, a, there is good results, there is you can enjoy the fruits of your labor, and uh, there are difficult times. But during those difficult times, is uh, I didn't quit. I think because of two things. Uh, I knew that if I quit, about the consequences of my quitting would impact about 120 people, right. 10 staff members, 20 staff members. It, it would be devastating for me to feel like I quit it and I hurt so many people. So that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's one, one, one point. And I faced with that situation so many times, a lot of pity party, a lot of, uh, oh, Lord, I'm giving up, oh, Lord, all those little uh, victimized moment, momentums that we do have from time to time. Right. And, uh, but I think the way, uh, the way to overcome that is just, is just to say that I, I, I'm not giving up, I'm not giving up. And I will endure because uh, you always have, I always have in my mind a picture of one child. Wow. And a one or two that are really, I, I'm working so uh, this child is going to get the most benefit in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I believe that passion, uh, that love keeps me going, uh, keeps me pursuing the next step. Right. And uh, knowing that uh, the difficult time is going to go away. To go through difficult times, it, it, it sometimes is hard, it's discouraging. Mm-hmm. But you just close your eyes, grind your teeth, knees down, chin up, and keep on pushing. Right. Put you in good company, too. You think of Moses, Elijah, all, all the people in the Bible that went through seasons just like that. Yeah. But but I, there are moments that you have to walk by yourself. It's good to have mm-hmm. family, friends. Right. Uh, it's all about people, the people you help. It's right. all the people that you that you connect with, is all your connections, it's all about people. I mean, God gives finances not for you. God gives finances for people. And uh, so, but there are moments that you walk, just you and Him, so they can develop your character, your faith, your, your perseverance, and, and He can trust you with more. Mm-hmm. I know I speak for the church and obviously hundreds of kids in Brazil saying, we're glad you didn't at any point give up on that dream and you kept chasing, you kept persevering. But uh, thanking you on behalf of the church, you have the church, uh, you have their ear, you have their eyes as they're watching this online service. Is there anything, if you could say something to City Life Church, uh, what would you say? How would you challenge them? I I believe uh, uh, one of the most powerful things that I ever heard in my life is uh, I was married before for 16 years uh, with Lois. She was the director of the the women's home and uh, I was the director of the men's home and youth challenge. And she passed away in 2003. And uh, at deathbed, of, of, she's passing with cancer. She looked at me and she said, as a Christian would cry for when they know they had so much, so much credit that they never used. Mm-hmm. They never, there's so much of a blank check available to them that they never used. And I think, uh, I think the church today is, is, a, is a tremendous potential uh, of God to change the world. And uh, we cannot sleep on, 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 the, on the, those blessings. We need, to, we need to get involved in the community like you're trying to do. Right. I need to do my job. Everybody needs to do your part. There's always somebody across the street that needs a glass of water. Always somebody across the street that needs a good morning. 
Uh, always somebody across the street that needs somebody to come to my house, let to get to know you. That's right. all it takes. It's, Christianity is so simple that overpasses a lot of uh, intellect. Mm. And um, so it's, it, that's the message for the church. It's just uh, realize the potential you have in your hands. Yeah. To change the world. And I think when I left that banquet, it was just that I was inspired to dream bigger. <laughs> Not just keep dreaming, but aim higher, dream bigger, have faith for wild and amazing things. Because it truly is incredible what you've done for 40 years. And we are so thankful. Not just that you've been doing it, but that you also spent the time to share it with us. But I would be remiss as well to let you go without asking on behalf of the church, how can we be praying right now in this season for CBC? Uh, what, what can we be praying for specifically? Okay. Uh, in Brazil, we have a lot of children that need help. I know how to help them. In 40 years of ministry, I know I have the, the uh, is a cook cutting, uh, cook is a way, I have a way, the, 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 I have the, the pattern, I have the method how to help them. Mm-hmm. But I need, I need people that can help me here in the U.S., people that can volunteer with folding letters, people that can volunteer with social media, mm-hmm. people that can volunteer with marketing. Uh, you need some, people you that, need to be able to clone Celeste. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I need to be able to get people more partners that can uh, become dream builders. We have a program mm. called the Dream Builders because all of us are product of a dream. Uh, our parents dreamed for us to right. become uh, pastors or mm. lawyers or doctors and have a community that supports us, a good school, good roads, good governments, good governance. Right. But in Brazil, we don't have none of that. The children is, is below zero trying to fight for themselves. Uh, parents don't have any dreams for them because they never achieved anything for their lives. So the, minus, the ministry and the partners is standing in the gap to make a difference for those kids' lives and to help them to dream, uh, invest, and expect uh, in their future. Awesome. So. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Mark. Thank you, City Life, for joining us. I hope you are as inspired as I am and everybody else that hears Mark's story. You are a truly a living legend. It's an honor to office with you in this building to support you. So City Life, I hope you were inspired, encouraged, not just to dream big, but to continue as well, to give towards missions as we're able to support many ministries like Mark's that are making Jesus easy to find all over the world. So again, thanks for helping us do it in our region this morning. And let's continue to sow into God's kingdom all over the world. God bless.